0: Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, I was in a meeting the other day, and I was sitting there thinking about everything that we've been doing, thinking about this message, trying to dwell on different things, and and it was an amazing, amazing meeting and, and led me to some things to be praying about this week. But something took place in that meeting that kind of really Inspired me a little bit more with today's message and kind of the introduction because in FOMO, one of the things we're trying to figure out in this series is it's like the fear of missing out. But the question is, is the fear of missing out on what? Like, like I okay, we got this fear of missing out. But the question is, what am I missing out on, right? And I was sitting in this meeting, and Hey Hey said something that really stuck. If you don't know, that's Haley. I don't ever call her Haley. I call her Hey Hey. And uh, it's not because of the chicken in, in the Disney movie, even though that's really funny. Uh, but it's one of those things that we were talking to this, this one gentleman, and Haley said this, and I was like, wow, that is. She said, you know, the two greatest times in a person's life is when they're born and when they discover what they're born for. I was like, wow, that's good. Like, the two greatest times in a person's life is when they're born and when they discover what they're born for. And, and when Hey said that, I was kind of like, wow. Like, that's a great, great, great concept. And I wondered, in this aspect of FOMO, is that not really the essence of what we struggle with, right? I think all of us have this one major fear. We're gonna get to the end of our life and it's too late to do anything about it. We simply missed it. Like a lot of times we'll go to our jobs, we'll go to our work, we'll go to our families, we'll go to our marriage, we'll go in our dating life, and we have this little nudge, like God, is this you talking or is this me wanting? God, is this you directing or is this my spirit directing? Is this what my spirit wants or what my flesh wants? And so we have this fear of missing out, because we really don't trust, if we were to be brutally honest, we really don't trust our ability to make a good decision. Like if I was to ask you, why do you do what you do? You'd be like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it just so kind of happens. Why are you at the job? Well, I don't know how I got to this job. It just kind of happened. Or, you know, like, like we don't sometimes trust our decisions and because, and I've said this before, because there's one common denominator in every one of our poor decisions, you, <laughs> you've been a part of every one of your bad decisions. And because of that, it kind of makes us think that, well, I don't know if I can make a good decision. So today, I wanna dive into God's word and I wanna give you this major what slash why that goes back to what Hey said in a meeting that was so profound to let you understand that I do believe that the two greatest times in a person's life, just as she said, is when they were born, but then when they discover what they were born for. And so if you have your Bibles, if you're on an app, wherever you're doing, uh, if you're at home, whatever you're looking at, turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter five, verse 13. I'm gonna read it first in the ESV version. And you've heard this before. It's gonna seem very familiar to you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall it... And you read that and you're like, okay, yeah, I've heard that before. We're supposed to be salt and light. Okay, great. Is that my why? And then I came across something that John Maxwell said in recent weeks, and it literally was like, kapow. John Maxwell is the guru leader when it talks about leadership. If you ever want to read a book on leadership, if you ever want to understand leadership, if you want to understand dealing with people, if that's something that's a part of your life or part of your career, I cannot recommend more John Maxwell. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal communicator, and he is the guru when it comes to leadership. And he took this same scripture and he turned around and he used the message. Now, I need to to tell you this because it's just a part of me. The message is something I use every once in a while, but you need to know that there would never be a time in my life that that would be where I would go just to study God's word because the message is a paraphrase of a translation. It's not an actual translation. Can I give you a real quick backdrop to biblical scholarship here for a minute? In God's Word, God's Word was written, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek. And then in the great Alexandrian era, you end up having this Septuagint, which was a mixture, okay? But with that being said, the original text was Hebrew, and the original text of the New Testament was Greek. And so a translation is taking the original text and translating it into the language in which you are currently reading God's word. And an accurate translation should reflect a carbon copy of the original. That's how you know something's truthful. The message is a paraphrase. In other words, they took an English translation and then they paraphrased it into more modern terms to help you get kind of a more of a sense or understanding of what it is. Does that make the message inaccurate? No. But would I tell you to go study the message as your number one source to study God's word? I would not. It's a great extra, but I think it's extremely important to have biblically accurate translations. Now that was a side note just to kind of set it up, but I want to read for you what the message says on the exact same verses that I just read. And I want you to listen to this because it is amazing. Verse 13. Let me tell you why you are here. Like, like, like rather than me telling you, hey, I want to talk about the why you're here. Like, like the greatest thing is when you were born and when you discover what you're born for. Here's the answer. Let me tell you why you are here. And then listen to what it says. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Is that good or what? You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Can I keep reading? If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. Here's another way to put it. Let me tell you why you're here. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make your light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. The two things that I wrote down in my notes that I would love for you to write down What is your purpose? Your purpose to bring out the God flavors and the God colors of this world. Like, what is my purpose? Your purpose is to bring out the God flavors and the God colors of this world. That's what it's talking about when he's saying that he's called you to be salt and he's called you to be light. It's more than just, you know, and in this time, if you were to do a little bit of study of the New Testament, the reason why this is so intriguing, and when Jesus is speaking about this, it's right after he's given the Beatitudes. And the reason why this is so intriguing is during this time frame, there probably was not two things that had more value to it than salt and light. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have the light bulb. They didn't go in and flip a switch. And the major thing, just like in scripture, one thing that's really, really cool, I, I'm really enthralled with a new worship song. I, I, it's called Shake the Dust Off. It is by far my favorite song right now. I cannot listen to it enough, but it has one phrase in it. It says, who lied and told you darkness won? See, the amazing thing about salt is it has a lot of different abilities that it does, and I'm not gonna spend time on that, but there are concepts of its seasoning and preserving and the things that it would do, so it had value. But light was also just as valuable because here's the key. When light enters the room, darkness doesn't have the ability to choose whether or not it stays. Like when we come in here, if I hit the switch back here and this room went dark, all of a sudden, boop, we're in darkness, right? And when I flip the switch with light, it's not like darkness says, wait a minute, hang on a second, I don't wanna go. Light conquers darkness every time. So my first question for us today is, does your life conquer? If light conquers darkness, then why does it feel so dark sometimes in my life? If salt adds a seasoning and bring out the God flavors, why do I have this yuck flavor in my mouth? Why in my life do I kind of feel like, Bleh. why are these things so evident? You may tell you why? Because I think we've undervalued what salt and light does. And I think you've undervalued you. And so there's four simple things that I want to give you. And I want you to dwell on these things all week long. It's the reason why we're doing serve day. It's the reason why in the next three weeks we're gonna do a big connect breakfast and we're gonna be offering all these different community groups. But the reason why we do that is because of these four principles that I think are your why behind why you're here. Can I answer Hey Hey's providential statement? The two greatest things in a person's life is when they were born and when they discover what they're born for. Can I tell you what you were born for? Four simple things. Number one, and it goes along with this scripture as far as salt and light because of value. Number one, write this down, value people. You're here to value people. You know what most of your issues are? And I'm gonna talk about me, not about you. It's hard to find value in people when you can't find value in yourself, isn't it? Can I reiterate what I was talking about with that song, Shake It Off? Who lied to you and told you darkness won? Who lied to you and told you there was something you could do that would take away all of your value? Who lied to you and told you that you were the person in charge of putting the price tag on what your life was worth? I believe that the creator of life is the person that puts the price tag on what life is worth. Like if I own something, then as the owner of it, I have the ability to say this is what it's worth. If I have a vehicle and I say, I own this truck, and somebody says, I'd like to buy your truck, And I say, okay, well, to me, I'm willing to sell this truck, but you're going to have to pay me X amount of dollars. Well, it's not worth that. Well, then you don't want it because that's what it's worth to me. I'm willing to sell it to you, but you've got to come into my price. Right now, we're in this amazing concept of like this this housing market boom. And I've gotten so tickled that a three-bedroom, two-bath, what we would call starter home in Cleveland, Tennessee, is now worth $250,000. Because simply three years ago, $250,000 would get you a three-bedroom with a bonus, a two-car garage, three bathrooms, two bathrooms and a half, like usually around 2,100 square feet. Now $250,000 gets you roughly around 1,500 square feet. What changed? The people owning it and the price of building it. See, the more it costs to build, the more it's worth. And God said, let me tell you what they're worth. I'll send my son Jesus, and he'll die on a cross to pay their price. Who told you you're worth less? Who's telling you that you're not valued? And because you don't value yourself, then you'd have a hard time valuing other people. Listen to me, one of the things that you're called to do, to be salt and light in this world, to bring out the God flavors of the world, to bring out the God colors of the world, is it starts not only with your valuing who you are and who God's created you to be, but for you to start recognizing and finding values in other people. Because of that, the second thing, write this down. Not only should you value people, But when you get in their life, you should add value to people. Not only should you value people, but you should add value to people. I will tell you a little bit of Confessions of the Not So Rich and Famous. One of the things that I'm dealing with right now in my own personal life that I'm really working hard on is I unintentionally, I don't mean to do this. It's just part of being me. I unintentionally, find myself gravitating towards people that I have common ground with, that I feel like, not that there's anything that I have to offer, but usually it's because of something they have to offer me. Now, I'm not talking about something they have to offer me, like some sort of financial reward or some sort of task, but it's like the relationship's built on like, hey, I'm bringing this in the game. And they're like, okay, and I'm bringing this in the game. And I'm like, well, sweet. So together we both can win. And what if God wants you to be a part of somebody's life just because you bring value to it? Like what if God wants you to be a part of somebody's life and the reality is this is gonna be a total give relationship to you? In fact, I would tell you, you probably don't have too many relationships like that. But I think that's what your why is. You're put here to value people and to add value to people. And sometimes that means you're not the greatest benefactor of the relationship. You say, well, Mickey, that that seems kind of cool. I can understand that, but Where's that in God's word? I don't know, Jesus' whole relationship with you. I mean, think about it. What value can you really bring? Can you make God more valuable? Can God be any bigger than God? Can Jesus Christ be any bigger than Savior? But yet he desires to have a relationship with you, why? Because he finds you valuable and he adds value to your life. The third thing, the third thing, not only does he want to value, he wants you to value people, not only does he want you to add value to people, but the third thing that we have to do in our lives if we have to live good values. We're talking about values because we realize how valuable salt and light are in our lives. If we're talking about adding seasoning and bringing out God-sized flavors and God-sized colors. We need to add value. We need to live good values. This is where most people struggle. Most people want everything that God wants, but they want to live every way they want to live. What would it look like if a group of people said, you know what, I'm going to live with good values? Well, that's a little bit of a rhetorical question, right? A little bit of a subjective question because it's followed up by this question, right? Well, what's a good value? Let me give you the greatest way that I can help you understand if you have good values in your life. Okay? I'm going to give you a litmus test, something that you can you can kind of check where your life's at. I'm not here to debate what you're doing or not doing. I'm here to to encourage you to live good values. And there's one test that you can have in your life that'll help you determine whether or not you have good values in your life that are becoming a part of your life on a regular basis. In fact, you're gonna see it on a slide that's gonna show up, but here's the way it works. The better the values on the inside, the less validation you require on the outside. The better the values you have on the inside, the less validation that you need from the outside. The flip of that is also true. The less values that you have on the inside, the more validation you need from the outside. So look at this, some of you may wanna grab your phones and snap a picture of it. Hey, hey, do me a favor, you and Sam, throw this on social media later. This is a really big deal. The reason why you struggle so much with trying to get this satisfaction from people on the outside is it's actually a test identifying where your values are on the inside. Here's another way I've put it. Truth fights for itself. If you ever wanna know who the winner of an argument is, it's very simple, it's the person not talking. Why? Because truth ain't gotta fight. You don't understand. They're saying this. They're saying that. They're, it don't matter. Because truth is truth, and truth always comes to the forefront. Listen to me. When you have godly values in your life, you're less concerned what everybody on the outside is saying. But when you get really consumed what everybody on the outside is saying, it's usually because there's something on the inside that's lacking. And it's a major test to see where you are in your life because I believe a part of being salt and light is not only valuing people, not only adding value to people, but it's also living good values in your life. Here's what I love. I have a chance, I have been able to meet with him recently but I have a chance to meet with a gentleman named Ben Smith. He's a good friend of mine. He's the head wrestling coach here at Bradley. And we spent some time together. And It's one of these kind of like iron sharpens iron. And we hang out, we talk about different things. And we went through this little exercise together. I call it the funeral exercise. It's something I've actually done with our staff as well. And it's simply this. And you may have heard me talk about this before. If you want to do it this week, I encourage you to do it. You're not going to do it in a day. You're not going to do it in a week. It's going to take you about a month to complete it. But it's very simply, here's the way it works. Think about all the people in your life, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you're at in the relationship thing, children, parents, family members, co-workers, everybody that you have some sort of an influence or has influence in your life, teachers, employers, all of that, and you very simply ask one simple question. If you were able to observe in the pew your funeral service, and you were sitting on the outside while they were conducting your funeral service, what things would you want every person, no matter what their relationship is, what would you want them to say about you? What would you want your spouse to say? What would you want your children to say? What would you want your coworkers to say? What would you want your friends to say? What would you want? And so out of that, what you will do is you spend a lot of time, because each one of them is gonna come from a little bit of different perspective, Like I want my kids to say something a little bit different than what my wife says, you know? And I want my wife to say something totally different than what my coworkers say. Like I love Pastor Sam, but I really don't want to hear from Pastor Sam some of the things that I want my wife to say at my funeral. Why? Because that's just weird, right, Sam? And Sam's like, please. And I don't want to say those things either. And I'm like, good. But we love each other, but it's different, right? And it's one of those things that as we're doing this, you start identifying values in your life that kind of come to the forefront. And here's the kill thing, and once you determine what those values are, it's amazing how easy it becomes to not slide or take away and do something that takes away that value. But I believe that God's calling you, and he's calling me, to live good values. Why? Because more's is called than taught. In the previous prior to Crossroads, the 25 years prior to Crossroads in my life, the number one thing that Amy and I have heard on a regular basis about ministry was not a message I preached, not a youth trip that we did, not some sort of funny experience. The most consistent thing that we've heard from different people that were a part of our lives was what Amy and I modeled as far as a marriage. That's what they talk about changed their life. Do you know the one thing I never focused on during student ministry was modeling my marriage? Why? Because more is caught than taught. That's why you got to have good values. And not only does he want you to live good values, but the last thing and then I'm done. Not only does he want you to live good values, but he wants you to share good values. He wants you to share good values. Put an asterisk by this one. Because this is when everything gets a little bit different. See, most people, they can talk the talk, they can walk the walk, but all of a sudden, well, wait a minute, pastor, I don't want to offend anybody. Listen, good values are good values no matter what the situation is. You're not belittling, you're not condemning, you're not, it's just, it's good values. Well, but what if it goes against what their lifestyle is? Good values are good values. And they're biblical values. When did we ever start submitting to the fact that God's truth may hurt your feelings, so therefore, we're gonna walk away from God's truth. That's not a good value. If it's God's word and it's good values and it's a part of our life, we should share it to somebody else's life. See, here's the whole point of the whole message today. Being salt and light is very simple, right? It's being a part of somebody's life And rather than you being the benefactor, you allow Christ through you to bring value to theirs. Can I ask you a simple question? How valuable are you to others? The people you're going to see this next week, the people you were with last week, how valuable are you? Can I speak to the dads in the room? Are you as valuable as, hey, dad, you got 20 bucks, I just want to go out. Oh, yeah, hey. Is that your value? What are you adding? How are you valuing people? How are you demonstrating the people's value by the way that you, you recognize and love them well and spend time with them? We actually had a little bit of time to talk about this in staff. It was so funny because we're sitting around staff and, and we're having a Bible study and we're trying to kind of iron sharpen iron in leadership and we're talking about these principles. And I said, okay, so, so here's the tough part. These sound great. Like if I read them together, we wanna value people. We wanna add value to people. We wanna live good values. And then we also wanna share good values. Wow, that sounds great. So how do we do it? Uh, and then all of a sudden, one person opened up, and they started describing how they felt value. And then they started talking about how somebody shared valuable things with them. And what's amazing is, is what we started discovering in staff is the way that you do this is very simple. It's the way that you receive value. Like a lot of times the things that you struggle with, the way that people minister to your needs and the way that people do things in your life that make you go, wow, that is awesome. They love me well. It's the same way that you should turn around and love somebody the same way. See, the word we're looking for is spiritual duplication. You call it discipleship. But it starts around these four values. You say, Mickey, why are you sharing that? What's the purpose? Well, I wanted to share that because of two things. Number one, I wanted to give you the why behind Serve Day coming up Saturday. Why are we doing Serve Day Saturday? Well, I know, Mickey, it's, you're the smartest guy in the world. Well, that's obviously not it. We want to go out and tell everybody about Jesus thing pray to receive Christ. That's not it either well, we want to tell them about Crossroads. We're going to have these red shirts on and maybe everybody will talk about it. People will show up to church. Nowhere close. Do you know why we do Serve Day? Because the people in this community are worth serving. Even if they show up and grab backpacks and school supplies and run out the door without saying thank you or ever acknowledging where it came from. They're worth loving. Do you know why we're gonna do community groups at a whole different level this next fall? It's because you're worth multiplying. I believe your life is so contagious that despite where you may find your value, if we can get you with some other people, you will absolutely change their life because every time you get involved in people's situation, majority of the time, with the right values, adding value, seeing their value, knowing who God is to you, you make people better. And it's time for us to go do it. You say, well, Mickey, that's great and grand, but What about the people that don't get it? What about the people that aren't going to do it? What about the people that don't see the value? You create FOMO. You live a life that makes people go, wow, I don't want to miss that. We call it contagious. Can I encourage you, live a life that brings out the God size, the God flavors of this world. Live a life that brings out the God size, the God colors of this world. And do it by valuing people and adding value to people and living a valued life and by sharing those values with others. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.